helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to build a wall, but probably not the wall you're thinking about. In the biblical book of Nehemiah, the residents of Jerusalem were under threat. Judah had been conquered by the Babylonians, and not only was Jerusalem raided, but its wall was destroyed, leaving it open to attack. Nehemiah, who was serving the king in Babylon's time, heard about the state of the wall in Jerusalem and, with the king's permission, rebuilt the wall, providing safety and security for the people of that city. Today, the wall that was protecting the people of the United States has been destroyed. That wall was the Constitution of the United States. It created a central government with limited and enumerated powers, but that wall has been torn down. It enshrined protections for our unalienable rights, but that wall has been destroyed. It ensured that the states would not only have a representative form of government, but that they and the people would be protected from an all-powerful central government. That wall has been utterly obliterated. What are the American people to do? Well, hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution, and we teach the rising generation to be free. We are trying to restore the Constitution to its rightful owners, the, we the people of the United States, because that is the wall of protection that is missing, and it's the wall of protection that we, we need to rebuild. Several years ago, uh, I preached a series of sermons on the book of Nehemiah. I remember one of the people in the church asking me about how I was going to make a sermon out of chapter 3. Now, if you're not familiar, chapter 3 is a chapter where Nehemiah describes the rebuilding of the wall. Now, the, I, yes, I came up with a sermon, but the, the point of the, the, that chapter was not that Nehemiah built the wall. Nehemiah did not build the wall. Nehemiah organized the building of the wall. He got people moving and got them to do the work, but Nehemiah didn't build the wall. And as you go through chapter 3 and you read the list of the people that actually did the work of rebuilding the wall, something unique pops up. Actually, a couple of somethings. The first thing I want you to notice is that it wasn't just the rich people and it wasn't just the poor people. Everyone from priests to merchants to people who lived in the city worked on the wall. Now, I don't claim to be a Nehemiah. But I'm hoping to encourage people, young and old, rich and poor, uh, you know, I don't care if you went to college or you, you, you went to a trade school or you never did any secondary. I don't even care if you finished high school. We need to all work together to build this wall because it is just as the wall of Jerusalem protected them from an invasion and bandits, the wall of the Constitution protects us from the invasion not only of of foreigners, but the invasion from our own government, from the bandits that currently hold political office. But probably the most significant piece of chapter three is that people didn't rebuild the wall. They rebuilt the wall in front of them. They rebuilt the wall outside their houses, their businesses. 
the, 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 the priests outside where they lived, the merchants outside their store. Most of the people, they didn't build the entire wall. They simply looked at the wall that was right in front of them, and they rebuilt that wall. And they trusted that their neighbors on either side, they watched as they were rebuilding their part of the wall as well. I didn't have to, they didn't have to worry about the whole wall. They just looked at the wall that was right in front of them and said, can I rebuild that wall? Ladies and gentlemen, that's the wall we the people need to build. That's the way we need to approach rebuilding this wall. We don't need to fix everything. We need to fix what is right in front of us. Trust that there are other people working on other parts of the wall. But even if they're not, rebuild what's right in front of you. Let's not lose the forest for the trees. Let's not look at all the problems and how big the problems are and lose sight of the fact that ultimately the our independence means we have to do things ourselves. We have to be responsible for our section of the wall. The fact that it was torn down is partially our fault and our ancestors' fault. But will we rebuild that piece of the wall? Knowing that if I rebuild my piece of the wall and, and you rebuild your piece of the wall, and people all over the country who are listening to this broadcast, don't worry about the wall. Worry about your piece of the wall. The piece that's right in front of you. The piece that you're dealing with right here, right now, today. Rebuild that piece of the wall. And it'll take time. And it'll take effort. And just as in the, the book of Nehemiah, there'll be setbacks and there'll be threats and there'll be intimidation. But if we focus on building the wall and we restore the Constitution to its rightful place as the supreme law of the land, as the creators of the federal government and setting its limited and enumerated powers that's designed to protect our unalienable rights that protect us from an all-powerful central government, restore it to that place. You don't have to fix the whole thing. All you really have to do is make your part of the wall better, even just a little bit better. Maybe you can't build the wall all the way up to a traditional hut. Can you add a few bricks to the wall? Gee, now I sound like a Pink Floyd song. Not just another brick in the wall. Can you make that wall just a little bit higher? Yes, maybe you need some help from your neighbors. But can you do, what can you do to make that wall just a little bit higher, to offer a little bit more protection, to shield you and, and maybe just a couple more of your neighbors? And by doing so, encourage those neighbors to join in, to help with the rebuilding of the wall. That's the most interesting thing. You know, as I've traveled this country and I've met with people, I often find people that, that are discouraged because they see the disaster that is Washington, D.C., the corruption, the, the political intrigue, the self-serving. And they say, what can one person do? In Washington, practically nothing. In your own hometown, probably quite a bit. But Paul, that doesn't fix anything. Oh, yes, it does. It doesn't fix the whole thing. It fixes a little bit better. It fixes that one spot. 
And since most of us will have children one day, maybe our children can pick up where we left off. Maybe that wall isn't full height. Maybe it's not half height. Maybe it's not even a quarter height. But it's a little bit higher so that when our children come along, they've got a head start. See, that's what I want to focus on today. This idea of building the wall of protection, just as Nehemiah worked to build the wall around Jerusalem to help organize, encourage, protect, defend, represent. Are there people that will help? But if that's all I can do is, is help you realize that you can do something, well, then I've done my job. You know, the last time I was on tour, um, I, I, I used a description, another, believe it or not, Bible story, a Bible parable. It was Jesus in the parable of the sower. See, the job of the sower was to spread seeds. And that's the job. The, he, the sower went out and they spread seeds. And he said, some seeds will fall on rocky ground. There's not real soil there. There's no place for it to get a root and it'll die. Other seeds will fall, they'll fall among weeds, and well, they might have a, an idea, but the weeds, the, the problems of the day, choke things out. Some may fall on the path and simply be trampled by the world, but some, some of those seeds will fall on good soil. They'll take root, they'll grow, and they'll provide a harvest. And ladies and gentlemen, that was my role out on the, uh, on the tour, was to spread seeds, and hope to find some good soil for the seeds to land in. In many ways, that's what I do here. I spread seeds. I talk about ideas. I introduce topics that maybe many people haven't thought of or haven't thought of in that way. But it's about spreading seeds. Why do I bring up two different uh, biblical stories as an example of, of what we can do? Well, because I believe many people to one form or another, they're familiar with the stories. These, many of these stories have, are not simply biblical, but they become part of the, the lore of, of our country. But because I think they tell us something very important about ourselves and about how we need to approach our futures. See, I think too often the American people have been lulled into complacency because they either figured somebody else was going to fix things, or they figured the job was just too big for them. And if I look around and I see, you know, all the protections of our rights, all our protections of laws, all of the things we hold dear, I think we kept looking for someone else to protect them. Someone else to, to build that wall to make sure things are okay. And I think by doing that, We've allowed that wall to erode and, 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 to, and to collapse. I also think the idea of, of spreading the, the knowledge of, of, of civics, of, uh, of not just patriotism, but understanding the, the structure of our government, the role the people have, we decided it was somebody else's choice. We don't need to worry about it. We'll let the politicians, we'll let the, the political parties deal with that. We'll just show up every couple of years and vote. Maybe. Nowadays, people don't even bother voting. They don't think it's worth it. 
because they think somehow, how is my vote going to impact a national election? Very minimally. But your vote can have a tremendous impact. And if you're not willing to spread that seed, then it never will take root. You see, you can't grow anything if you're not willing to plant some seeds. Now, hopefully, I've planted a couple of ideas in your head. So I want to take some time today, and I want to look at some examples of... I want to look and inspect the wall. Let's inspect... Let's see the condition that things are in. But let's also take some time and consider what can we do to fix our little section of the wall? Now, the best part, if you think about it, it doesn't take any um, coordination. You don't need someone to tell you what to do. You, you can get help. I mean, that's part of what we're trying to do here is, is give people some tools, some education to, to help them. But you don't need to wait for somebody else. You can work on, on, on your section of the wall. And if nothing else, if nobody does else does anything, well, you've made your little section of this green earth we call home better. You've made this little place part of America just that much better. And really, isn't that worth it? I mean, I think it's so. I've, I've I think it's so important that I've invested uh, the last several years of my life into doing this. Um, and you know what? My life is better. My life is better. The Many of those people around me, their lives are better because of what I did. And I'm just dying to, to share it with you. Now, before I get to that, I've got a couple things I have to take care of. Now, I hope you'll head over to the website, constitutionstudy.com. Uh, it's where you can find out more about the work that we're doing here. You can sign up for one of the mailing lists. You can find out about the Patriots program, which is all a part of this. But most of you know what you can do? You can ask a question. See, often I find that the, the issues with getting started are the question. What, what can I do? I have this. What can I do? You can ask a question there, right there on the website. If you'd like me to answer it here on the radio, click the checkbox. I'd be more than happy to. But it's actually doing something. You know, whether you, you simply sign up for a mailing list or or you start donating to the Constitution study, whatever you do to help provide you with the information that helps you do what you have to do, well, that'd be wonderful. And while you're at it, why don't you take care of yourself as well? I know we're all running around like crazy people, and you know, I know a lot of people, they're just plain tired. They 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 just can't seem to get enough sleep. Now, if you'd like to fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deeply so you can wake up refreshed, well, I suggest you try Healthy Cells REM Sleep Supplement. We use it here in the Angle household. It's the only sleep supplement designed to support all four stages of sleep. Now, since you are an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off any order from Healthy Slow, whether it be REM Sleep or any of their wonderful products. Just go to americaoutloud.shop and look for the Healthy Cell card. All the instructions are there. Basically, there's a, a, a code you use when you check out. So go to healthycell.com. Look at all their great products. I, we use the REM sleep. I use the Focus and Recall regularly. Uh, but there's great products there. 
Put your cart together. When you check out, use the code out loud. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud. And as a thank you, we get 25% off your first order. Now, if you'll hang out for just a few minutes of these commercials, I'll be right back and we'll start talking about building that wall. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. And unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order, risk-free. Love it or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body, and now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You're rejoining the Constitution study today. Well, we're talking about building our own little walls, our, our walls of protection. And we're recognizing that we don't have to build the whole wall. In fact, we don't have to deal with most of the wall. All we really have to do is that piece of wall right in front of you. Let me give you an example. I've been talking since it started about the kangaroo court that was the quote-unquote January 6th committee. Uh, it, it, let's say this was, a, this was a mess. Everything from, I mean, it was, it was a political hatchet job. Uh, we, had, we had Soviet-style show trials. We had questionable evidence. We even had, had people saying, where's evidence? There's evidence. But when it came to actually show the evidence, there was none. Uh, and we even had, remember, we even had prime time show trials. It was, it was bad. And then we had the, the 2022 election and, and the, uh, Republicans now take over control of the house and, uh, Republican speaker, Kevin McCarthy, uh, sent a letter to the, uh, uh to the, uh, select committee reminding them that they are required to preserve all records related to the panel's work. Now it seems maybe they didn't do such a great job. Uh, according to 
Representative uh, Loudermilk, who's been pushing hard on this, uh, he said nothing was indexed. There was no table of contents indexed. Usually when you cup conduct this level of investigation, use a database system and everything is digitized, indexed. We got nothing like that. So it took us a long time going through it, one thing at a time, starting to realize we don't have anything much at all from the blue team. The, the blue team is the uh, uh, investigative staff that the committee put together, right? And they're saying, we've, and even some of the stuff we've got, we're, we're not, we don't actually have everything. He said, we got lots of depositions, we got lots of subpoenas, we got video and other documents, uh, but they realized they didn't have any of the, they didn't have videos of all the dep all the depositions. Now, according to the, the chairman of that committee, uh, Bernie uh, Thompson, he said, um, uh, consistent with guidance from the Office of the Clerk and other authorities, the select committee did not archive temporary committee records that were not re elevated by the committee's actions, such as use in hearings in, or official publications, or those that did not further its investigative activities. Hang on, wait a second. So you're telling me that the committee decided the stuff that they didn't use because it didn't support their agenda, they didn't bother keeping, even though, as I understand it, according to House rules, they were required to preserve all information? related to the uh, to, to the investigation. Now, okay, that's uh, th this is an ugly mess. And again, brings in a lot of questions of attacks on our on freedoms and liberty, right? Because granted, if you were um, uh, if you were at the Capitol on January 6, uh, the FBI has been after you. Uh, many people were were uh, investigated again simply for being on the Capitol. So where do we build our wall? Well, here's the first thing you can do. I've, if, did, did one of your uh, representatives, did your representative participate in, um, in this show trial? Were they included, were they part of the ones that violated the law? I believe under 18 USC 1001, they were required to keep track of all, to, to keep all documents and they didn't. Were they there? Yeah, Paul, but you know, one vote doesn't matter. Probably not. But you know what may matter? How about exposing their actions to your neighbors, the other people in the district? You know, so often people think about the vote. What about the, the influence? What about simply, again, talking to your neighbors and saying, wait a second, they, they, they created this show trial. They spent 18 months at all these show trials. And... um. Now we find out they didn't even keep the records they were supposed to so that we could make sure that they were actually on the up and up. Now, granted, probably a large percentage of your neighbors may say, I don't care. You know, I like this guy um, and uh, uh, I'm not going to to vote for anybody else because you know, even if you stay within the party. All right. So maybe you want someone different in a primary. But we start by holding. One of the things we can do is by starting not only to hold our elected representatives, our elected employees, as an example, but talking to our neighbors about what's actually going on, not the political rhetoric. You're, you're telling me, you know, if you're telling me that your representative participated in a show trial, um, to me, the answer is not to have a show trial going the other direction, is to help educate your neighbors that 
what if you had been there on January 6th? Or what if some other event happens and you happen to be in the neighborhood and suddenly you are the subject of an FBI investigation? Hey, even worse, possibly a, a congressional show trial. Is this really how you want things to be done? See, we build the wall by not simply whining and complaining. Not, not simply complaining, but by pointing out what happens when the shoe's on the other foot. What happens when it's not uh, when it's not January sixth? Maybe it's a uh, uh, an Antifa or Black Lives Matter rally, or Socialists of America rally, or in any of these, and things get out of hand, and suddenly you're on the side that that that's being investigated. Don't you want to make sure that the people doing the investigating are actually going to follow the law and not and and not simply oh I don't know put on a show trial like they did for the uh the january 6th trial trials and oh by the way what they're trying to do again because now there are uh, members of the democratic party in the house they introduced legislation they want um the trial uh or trials i'm not sure the federal trial of donald trump to be broadcast nationally can you imagine that they want it to be brought they want the trial to be broadcast nationally now, I don't know about you, but if you're talking about taking a trial and putting it on television, um, you're not interested in finding the truth. It's a political stunt. It truly is a show trial. We're trying to turn this into the trial of public opinion rather than a trial of facts and, and law. And uh, again, if your representative is one of those doing that, Talk to your neighbors and put them in it. What happens if it's not if it's not your guy? What if it what what happens if it's it's the person you support? Maybe they hate Donald Trump. Fine. Hate Donald Trump all you want. But what happens when um when somebody you support, somebody you care for, can now be destroyed publicly? I mean, what's next? Public floggings? If if Donald Trump uh, uh, is 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 convicted, is he going to be uh, publicly flogged and shamed? Is that really the state of the country we, we we want? We think we should have, and we have to. And I talk about this as a as a a brick in the wall, uh, starting to build your wall by not simply looking as well as Donald Trump. What can we do? It's Congress. What can we do? Remember, you employ one of the people in Congress with your neighbors. Maybe if they're, if your representative isn't following the law, maybe you should consider, oh, I don't know, doing something about it? All right, let's move something a little closer to home. Maybe you live in California, and uh, California crime has been on the rise. In fact, uh, crime in, in Oakland has gotten so bad that, that they're even calling it a, a state of emergency. And in fact, according to FBI statistics, uh, I see Oakland rated a one out of a hundred, meaning it is safer than less than one percent of the areas across the country. It's one of the most dangerous cities in the country. It's getting pretty bad to live there. And again, there are other cities in California and around the country that are getting pretty much the same. So, th th what can we do to build the wall? Well, first and foremost. I recommend doing whatever you are willing to do to secure your own safety. 
you have a right to life, you have a right to liberty, you have a right to protect yourself. Now, maybe that involves a firearm, maybe that involves a security system, whatever it does. Maybe it's it's a, a taser or a or some sort of pepper spray. Be prepared to defend yourself. In other words, don't assume that if something bad happens, the police are coming to the rescue. Because whether you live in one of these cities or not, um, there's always a possibility that the police won't be able to respond, either because of political issues or just simple logistic issues. I live in a rural area. It, it, it takes time for a sheriff's deputy to show up if he's called. So, um, and, and I understand people are going to have different levels of comfort with how much they're willing to defend, how far they're willing to go to defend themselves. But I would start thinking about that now and laying whatever groundwork you could. And I, I do recommend training. Uh, I do recommend uh, maybe working with others to, to, to figure out what's the best solution. Maybe uh, have, have uh, neighbors, friends, family members, you work together to come up with, with solutions. But um, just because you don't live in one of these cities doesn't mean you shouldn't take responsibility for your own security. And, you know, I used to drive my daughter nuts. Whenever we went out to, to eat, we'd sit down in a restaurant, and within a few minutes, I'd ask her, where are all the exits? And I always got the, the, the when I used to be teenagers, is the eye roll, dad, no, where are the exits? And the funny thing, she always forgot the exit through the kitchen. Why is that important? I, I want to impress on her that who knows what's going to happen. Maybe it's a an armed robbery. Maybe it's just a fire. You know, maybe somebody. You know, who knows what? Maybe there's a car accident and a car crashes into the building. Whatever it is, be aware of your ways out. These are little things we can do to make ourselves safer, whether or not uh, those around us are actually doing their job. Now, again, we look at you know we look at the at the uh, uh, rise in crime in, again, California, Chicago, New York, uh, a lot of these places where they refuse to enforce quote-unquote low-level crimes to the point where, okay, you've got to take care of yourself. Now, here's another thing. Um, the people who are putting these policies in place, maybe they're not the best people to continue to represent you. If you don't feel safe in your neighborhood, are you talking to the rest, to your neighbors and your community about, is it the policies that are in place? And then what can we do to change the people putting those policies in place? You know, talk about cities where they uh, say defund the police, and then people complain that the police aren't around. Places where they vilified their police departments and then wonder, well, gee, there's not a police officer around. We need one. And then possibly, you know, when when um, when I was younger, we used to have these things called neighborhood watch, where the the neighbors watched out for each other. That maybe that's a great option as well. My point is not uh, this is your solution, but it's to talk to your family and talk to your neighbors and say, what can we do to make things better? Not make them perfect. What can we do to make things better? And because if we make things a little better here, well, then life's a little better. If it involves, you know, maybe friends and neighbors, 
maybe that helps as well. I mean, I've got I've got friends and and we have kind of uh, understandings about if things go go sideways, um, will we come in and help each other? We've thought about that. It's you know they say proper preparation prevents poor performance. I like to say the body won't go where the mind hasn't been. Take some time and think about those scenarios and then think about the consequences of the decisions you're making and then decide maybe that's the best decision or maybe there's something a little better. Let's go to the other coast, Massachusetts. See, Massachusetts hired people to represent them that said, hey, you know what? We want to be a sanctuary city for illegal aliens. Open the doors. Come on in. We'll take care of you. Hey, fine. If that's what you want, but there's a consequence to that decision. Not just the decision of the politicians, but to the decisions of the people who put those politicians where they are. And that is, um, you tell people that uh, you can live safely here. We'll, we'll give you, you know, we'll, we'll pay for housing and food and, and, and medicine and people show up. Now, my goal isn't simply to say, you know, vo- elections have consequences. You chose these people. These are the consequences of your actions. It's actually to get you to think about what can we do to fix it? Since the governor of Massachusetts now wants families to house illegal aliens, they call them migrants, not really migrants because they came here illegally, but they, 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 now that they're getting a taste of the consequences of their, their decisions, now they want the citizens, the everyday person, to pay the consequences. Now, to a certain extent, I guess that makes sense because the people who made these decisions hired the, the, the governor and, and, and the mayors and, and all those who put these policies in place. So there's a little bit of, a, of yeah, you, you know, this is what you asked for, but I also want you to consider if this is not what you want, Maybe the maybe the issue is not. Um, it, maybe the issue is you pay more in taxes to build more shelters. Maybe that's the answer you want. I personally disagree with that, but if that's the answer you want, and that's the answer that your neighbors want, well, then by all means, pay more in taxes, donate money to to build uh, uh, more emergency shelters for these people. If you're going to invite them in, you might as well have places for them. And if that's your decision. Well, that's your decision. I, 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 like I said, I disagree with it, but I don't live in Massachusetts. I'm not living with it. I left New York because I didn't like the consequences of the decisions they were making. Um, but there's also a possibility that says, you know what? If I don't like where things have, are going, well, then, again, assume the responsibility of now maybe I have to, I have to decide on who to vote for based on different criteria. And maybe I can help talk to my neighbors to help them understand what I'm talking about. I, I, I want I'm going to use different criteria because I don't, you know, we tried A, we ended up with B, B kind of stinks, so let's try C. Let's not try A again, let's try C. And this is not about political parties, this is about the policies and the people who are putting those policies in place and the people they supposedly work for. I know, it sounds daunting. It sounds like, you know, oh, it's not going to make a difference. Believe it or not, it does. It, it does. You know, like I said, when I, when I moved to, to where I live now in Tennessee, 
I met with my sheriff. I met with my county mayor. I've met with my uh, uh my my county officials because I want them. A, a, I want to know who they are and how they think. I met with my state rep, my state senator, with nothing more than I want to learn about them. I want to know who they were. Now, it's I can use that to say, okay, is this a is this what I support, or is this something that I oppose? And again, it's difficult. One policy out of the hundreds that get created is one thing, but you can start to to see a pattern. And part of building that wall is taking responsibility for the decisions that you've made, not simply saying, oh, I got to suffer the consequences, but okay, now can I learn from that and um, move on and, and make make decisions that maybe come to outcomes I like better? Now, one way to do that is to get facts and information from as many sources as you can. One of the places I go every day is AmericaOutloud.news. But also, that's a great opportunity to get, to get the information, the stories, the articles, the podcasts, the videos, and share them. That's how you can help explain your point of view to your neighbors and say, maybe we don't like this. Maybe there is another way. That is how, ladies and gentlemen, you go about securing the blessings of liberty. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus-hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You rejoin the Constitution study, and today we're asking, you know, I'm asking you to build a wall of protection. You build the wall that's right in front of you, and, well, if more Americans do that, then the protection extends to so many of us. Now, I've talked a lot about the, the need to help educate your neighbors, 
so that we can make better decisions in elections. But what happens when those elections aren't fair? There's a report coming out of Gateway Pundit about uh, voter fraud, what appears to be massive voter fraud in Michigan during the 2020 elections. Reading from the from the article, um, on October 8th, 2020, uh, one month before the general election, uh, Muskegon, Michigan City Clerk noticed a black female, whose name was redacted from the police report, dropping off between eight and 10,000 completed voter registration applications at the city clerk's office. Now, the police department was contacted and asked to investigate, because that is rather suspicious. And on October 21st, uh, a first lieutenant uh, was contacted by chief of investigations for the Michigan Attorney General, and uh, they conducted their investigation. They created a task force, actually, to conduct the investigation. Now, according to the report, Michigan State Police investigator, who was assigned to the case, uh, met with the female uh, that was the, the suspect and, and, exp- and who explained she was paid $1,150 a week to, quote, to find unregistered voters and provide them with a form so they can get registered to vote or obtain their absentee ballot. Close quote. Now, there was just one little problem. It seems the handwriting on the voter registrations was the same on several of the, reg- uh, on several of the registrations, and many of the addresses, they didn't exist. They were fake. Uh, furthermore, the Muskegon Police Department detectives and uh, uh, basically they signed an affidavit that said they found a, a quantity of voter application forms that are clearly fraudulent and others that were highly suspicious. Now, the report goes on into more detail of people involved and whatnot, but here's the point I want. There, there again, is more evidence that there was fraud in the 2020 elections. Would it have changed the ultimate outcome? We'll never know. But, okay, what, what, what do we do then? Why bother voting if all they're going to do is cheat, is cheat to win? Well, there's a couple things I want to point out. Point number one. To me, the question then becomes, do, well, I've heard plenty of people say that um, you need to vote and win by, by beyond the margin of fraud, right? The margin of victory needs to be beyond the margin of fraud. And um, there's a certain amount of logic to that. There is. But I want everyone to remember that every election in this country starts at the county level. You have a county board of elector- electors that is responsible for conducting the election in that county and then reporting the data up to the state. Maybe what we need to do is not simply try to outfraud them or just outvote them. Maybe we need to spend a little bit more time to, uh, I don't know, maybe make sure that our county elections procedures are on the up and up. I know a lot of people worry about the federal elections and, and, you know, and of course you got the state rules and all that, but what do we do at the county level? Now I've reached out, uh, had not the greatest success, but I'm still working on it. Um, being in touch with my county uh, board of electors. Again, I want to know what's going on. I want to make sure that the people that are primarily responsible for the most local elections are doing what they can to make sure those elections are on the up and up. 
again, I'm one county in Tennessee. Nothing I do would have, could have had any impact on what happened in Michigan. But what if the people in Michigan's, Michigan looked at this and said, let's fix this thing at the county level. Now, maybe there's some state laws that need to be modified. Uh, okay. But what if we actually looked at our county elections and evaluated them, make sure that they were free and fair and transparent, that there was um, there were secu- there was security against um, there was there were security systems to to double check that everything is on the up and up that you know to help minimize fraud. We're never going to get rid of voter fraud. We're never going to get rid of all of it. What we want to do is first make sure that we have the rules in place to minimize it, and then to have the people in place to make sure the rules, well, the rules are followed. And as I'm looking at ways of building the walls around ourselves locally, one of the ways we do is controlling elections. No, if you fix your county, it doesn't mean there won't be fraud in your state. But if you fix your county, at least maybe your county officials, you'll know we're elected fairly, that it's free, fair, and transparent. That's what I'm looking for in elections. And, you know, again, not everybody's going to be big into monitoring elections, but there's probably a couple of people in your county that might be interested in this. And maybe if you reached out to them, we talked to them and, and let them look at the elections while other people were working on other things, it might make a difference in the long run. They say that elections have consequences. Part of it is making sure that the elections that are held are actually fair. Now, I talked previously, in fact, I just did a piece yesterday going into detail about the injunction in the case uh, Missouri v. Biden, where a district judge issued an injunction, a preliminary injunction, against a large number of, of executive agencies and individuals in the Biden administration to not contact for the purposes of encouraging, coercing, or otherwise trying to get social media companies to censor protected free speech. Not surprisingly, the Biden administration, um, they appealed. They went to the circuit court to try and get uh, the injunction stayed. Well, apparently that didn't work. See, a three-judge panel of the Fifth Circuit heard arguments, and according to reporting, uh, nearly all of the points that the U.S. Department of Justice raised, the lawyer raised, they got significant pushback from those three judges. Uh, for example, when when the, the government lawyer, Daniel Tenney, said the federal government had a back-and-forth relationship with social media companies that did not include coercion, uh, judges looked at some analogies and said, y- you don't need to be an ex- have to have an explicit threat. Um, Judge Jennifer Walker Elrod said uh, that uh, the administration had a very close working relationship with companies that was like a supervisor complaining about a worker or the mob making demands without having to spell out things. Now, what can we do to build this well? Because here we have, we have, again, numerous examples of the federal government infringing on our rights, violating the Constitution, violating the law. What can we do? Well, here you have judges. We have the the district uh, judge. We currently have three judges on the uh, circuit court. What are we doing to support them? Now, granted, these are appointed positions. You don't vote for them. You don't. You know, you can't donate to them. 
but certainly isn't it worth uh isn't it worth it to maybe spread some news on social media giving an an attaboy to these judges to, to judges that are saying that that are looking at the facts and um saying you know no there's there's quite a bit of evidence that the Biden administration uh and maybe even some of the predecessors of the Biden administration were illegally were violating the constitution violating their oaths of office illegally trying to censor information through a third party and yes they put these things in place and it's good to talk about the the stay and what looks like maybe the fifth circuit will will uphold the stay but i want to talk about the individual judges See, i've never been a judge but i've been a person that held a responsible position i remember having to stand in front of a group of people and admit a mistake right we did something we it wasn't malicious we had made a mistake and of course since i was the chair of that committee it was my responsibility to stand up and say yes we made a mistake and this is what we're going to do to make sure we don't do it again well when i stood up to take my medicine one of the other members of the committee came up and stood right beside me just behind my right shoulder and it meant a lot to know that i wasn't alone I wonder if these justices, what would they feel like if, you know, and I'm sure there are those out in the social media and other platforms that are vilifying their decision. And what about the people that support their decision? Again, it's one thing to, to read that and go, yay, this is a great decision. How many people are actually standing up and saying, you, judge, I think this is a good job. I think you did this well. So when I wrote my article about the, about the uh, uh, the original uh, in, uh, injunction, the original uh, preliminary injunction, I called out Judge Doherty for the quality of his um, of his his opinion, that the, the the justification for his decision, the fact that he's one of the few judges I've seen actually quote the Constitution, that he quoted the founding fathers, that his arguments were, were cogent and based in in law. Um, I, I did so as publicly as I know how. It's in my article. It's on my videos. I had on the radio program. Individually, by name, I called him out for doing the right thing. I called judges out for doing the wrong thing. I called them out for doing the right thing. And I think that's something that we can do to help build the walls of protection. When someone does the right thing, whether it be a judge, whether it be a politician, whether it be your dog catcher, Stand and let one let them know that you 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 thank them for doing the right thing, but also stand with them if they are under attack. When I talked to my sheriff and and he told me that he he makes sure that the deputies are trained to know that their primary responsibility is to protect the rights of everybody involved. I told him, "What can I do to help?" I offered. I said, "If you have an issue, let me know." Uh, if you need me to write a position paper, to, to be at a press briefing, to go with you to a committee hearing and give the constitutional basis for the decision, the, the, that, that your decision is the correct one, I will do that. Now, I'm in a unique position, right? Because I'm a constitutional scholar. I do this stuff for a living. Well, I do this stuff all the time, maybe. But you don't have to do that. I think very often when, when a, a, a governor makes a tough call, but they make the right call, and they're seeing all the negative campaigning and all the negative ads and, and the people showing up and protesting. Wouldn't it be nice to have a bunch of people 
standing there saying, no, 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 this was the right thing. Sure, you're not going to get on the mainstream media probably, but wouldn't, it, wouldn't that governor or that, that politician or that sheriff, wouldn't they get a, a, a warm feeling to know that somebody, somebody was standing behind them? And here's one more thing I want, I want to talk about. It, 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 this is someone, I believe, building a wall, not just around him, but around his family. It involved an incident that happened in a college station, Texas, at an olive garden back on July 18th. And uh, what basically the um, the person in, involved who signed his name as Kevin sent an open letter to the restaurant chain. Uh, and it, this, let, again, open letter. So people are finding out what's going on. He wrote, my daughter told me she was scared because the waiter sounded like a man, but looked like a woman. So the waiter was a man wearing a woman's hairstyle, curled and wavy. Sparkling earrings, face makeup, bright blue eye makeup, and purple lipstick. I, discreet, I discreetly and respectfully asked for a different server. We were promptly kicked out of the restaurant by the manager who stood up. Oh, sorry, we stood up and left. He went on to say, I took an oath that I would support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I fought tyranny overseas on multiple combat tours. I looked tyranny in the eye and felt its wrath on my back. I know what tyranny is and have lived on the receiving end of it. And now I have experienced tyranny at your restaurant by your hand. You wanted me to celebrate sin or leave. It is crystal clear that you are promoting and advancing trans tyranny. Now, I don't know who Kevin is, but I'd love to talk to him on the radio program uh, for two very important reasons. Reason number one, when his daughter felt uncomfortable by a man dressed up to look like a woman, he did something. And according to his letter, he was discreet and he was respectful. He didn't throw a temper tantrum. He didn't make a big fuss. He asked for a different server. The fact that the, the manager had him kicked out, well, that's a whole other issue. But the other thing he did is he protected his daughter, right? He saw his, he protected, he said he'd fought tyranny overseas, but he protected his daughter. She recognized that there was something wrong with a waiter that sounds like a man, but looks like a woman, that there was something wrong there. And he stood up to, and he, and he, he did something. Now, when the manager threw, asked him to leave, or as he said, kick them out, they left. But he didn't stop there. He sent an open letter to the company. He sent the letter to the company so that they know the evil that was being performed in their name. But he also made it open so that other people would know. He did something. Now, if you happen to know who Kevin is, or if Kevin hears this, I'm my, I'm open. Go to the website constitutionstudy.com. I will keep your name as 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 anonymous as you would like, but I'd love to talk to you, and I'd even like to talk to your daughter about what happened because I think you did the right thing by protecting your daughter, and I think that is something that is a brick in the wall that more and more of us really should be doing, protecting our families, even if it means. You didn't get your your uh, 
your Olive Garden dinner that night. Now, you may think that's a small thing. You may think it makes no difference. Olive Garden didn't care. Olive Garden didn't lose enough money to care about that. They may not change anything. But you know what he did change? I bet you his daughter will not forget that. His daughter will not forget that he stood up for her when something was wrong and she recognized it. And that's how we teach the rising generation to be free. Now, I hope this somewhat rambling conversation, looking at things and maybe how we build our own little walls of protection, that you found it helpful, maybe a little enlightening, enough that you'll come back every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time to listen to the Constitution Study on America Out Loud, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. If you can't listen then, join the podcast. All my shows go to podcasts, generally a day or two after they're heard on the radio. You can find them in your favorite podcast app, but please subscribe, rate the show. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. You can find all the links you need at the homepage on americaoutloud.news. But as always, please share, because by doing so, you help share the blessings of liberty.